Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. We'll have to edit a little bit of that. Okay. And welcome back to the Have We Made It Yet podcast. Uh, my name is Josh Yang, the comedian Josh Yang. Oh, and I'm Lucas Ng, the actor. The actor. And uh, yeah, we are back uh, this week in our 21st uh, episode. We're now hitting to one and uh, it's been pretty good so far. Um, just a quick catch up uh for our podcast we always ask the question have we made it yet it's kind of that existential question a lot of artists starting out um think about is like what is making it really you know even if you feel like you've made it have you really made it is enough enough Mm -hmm. so uh lucas have you made it yet me am i a guest on my own podcast right now uh (laughs) no i have not but actually, I got some kind of cool news. Oh. Um, I got my first COVID season audition two days ago. Sick. Yeah, nice. it was actually for a feature film. So it was just good to send a self-tape that my agent submitted me for a part. So we actually filmed it right behind me in the bathroom. Yeah. It's the only white wall. And the yeah. acoustics are somewhat pretty good there. And it felt good to actually try out a part, get a good script, and... And man, and see where the fates take me with this because it feels good to be back in the game. Yeah, and hopefully things get get better. I mean, Toronto's just entering stage two uh, this morning when we recorded the this podcast. So yeah. now patios and some businesses are opening up. Hopefully, bars and restaurants open up, and like the comedy scene can come back a little bit. Because yeah. uh, I would definitely like to get back out there and not have to consider doing Zoom shows. But I haven't done a Zoom show because I just don't. I don't want to do that um so hopefully things are moving in the right direction seems good seems good progress um mr josh yang though and your nice nice blue shirt that's popping okay have you made it yet i have not made it yet but i guess what you know the province of ontario and the city of toronto is now entering stage two so we're making it closer to me doing some things so Mm -hmm. That's great. But uh, no, today, though, we have a pretty interesting guest, right, Lucas? Oh, dude, dude, this guy's. Um, I'm going to. He reminds me of, say, like the Asian Superman, because even in his name, too, like it's perfect. Um, so, with this next guest here, okay, I'll be honest, uh, we haven't known each other for too long, but we did connect when him and I were asked to be on an actor's panel through one of our previous guests, oh. Annabelle Malloy. Ooh, it comes full circle. Full circle, baby. Full circle. Um, it was there that I first found out about his passion for acting and his insane workout regimens, which you can probably see on his Instagram, which we'll like put in the links below and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, his acting career has spanned multiple countries from Pakistan to Chile to even Hong Kong and, of course, Canada here. 
Uh, he's most famous for his role as Jack in the indie feature John Applejack, or as Russell in the very funny show The Switch. It's really good. Everyone should check it out if you can find it. Um, most recently, he made a fantastic self-shot, self-directed, and edited uh, short film while under quarantine. So you can find that on YouTube. Um, he's an incredibly self. Uh, he's incredibly talented, self-motivated, and an incredible actor. It's an honor to have him on this show on our twenty-first episode here. So give it up for Mr. Kent Lang. Hey, there it is. What's up? What is up? What's up? I like the introductions. Ah, I know. I know one. The other. Uh, I be, believe it was a singer, or was it the Disney girl? She was like, "Oh, thank oh. you for such a nice introduction." Oh, Jake, <laughs> I think yeah. as Jenny Wong, as, uh, yeah. as artists, we all love love hearing about our accomplishments <laughs> feels so nice i know i know right <laughs> so on that note with your many many accomplishments there yeah. mr kent Lo, have you made it yet hell no <laughs> i am in my parents's basement right now classic what? this is the room i i spent my university years in and uh yeah it feels weird to be back here uh for such a long time uh-huh. Living with my parents, who I love. If you're watching, thank you, Dad and Mom, for your hospitality. But that being said, <laughs> disclaimer. Yeah, you know, being as old as I am, just <laughs> just don't belong living with your parents for this oh, long yeah. anymore. In my opinion, yeah, that's the yeah, grind. Yeah. That's the yeah, grind. That's the grind. Yeah. Um, so no, I uh, I do not believe I've made it. Um, I think as as most actors and artists, we have very lofty goals. Mm-hmm. Many of mm-hmm. them are completely unrealistic. Um, but of the ones that are probably more realistic, I still, know, still don't believe that I've made it. But if I told myself when I first like, talked to the version of myself, like you know, eight years ago when I first started acting, that yeah, mm-hmm. I would have accomplished some of the things that you just listed off, I would have been like, damn, man, like, 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 that, that's pretty damn good. Like, like, you know, but now that I'm there, I'm just like, man, still not good enough. Still not good enough. So, I hear you. Yeah. That's my, that's my, that's my instrument. <laughs> so, uh, and on topic about those goals and everything like that, uh, what were your goals going into acting when you first started out? Um, you know, I think um, we all have that Oscar goal, whether mm-hmm. we want to admit it or not. Mm-hmm. But you know, like I think the whole Oscars goal in itself is is something that as you as you as you become more of a mature and better end actor, you realize that whether you get that or not, it doesn't mean whether you're a good actor or not. Well, okay. you know, if anything, if anything, it's just like the easiest thing, the easiest goal to choose that would just hundred percent validate your career <laughs> you know what i mean but that being yeah, said yeah. there are so many other things that you could do that hundred percent validate your career uh-huh. like you know for example if you ever made your own film that got into the theaters like that in itself is huge mm-hmm. you know and you know obviously you want it to do well but even if it doesn't do well like that's a huge like 99 percent of the people that set out to do this never even get there you know so mm-hmm. um i think I think I would love to just be on that stage and yeah. have the opportunity to break down emotionally and just like thank people and, you know, you know make a big <laughs> fool of myself. Um, yeah. But that being said, like now that I'm becoming more mature, um, 
I, I, yeah. If I don't, if I don't make it, if I don't win the Oscars, mm-hmm. I'll be like, dude, that's totally okay. Cause it's, you know, there's other things, there's other things that you could do and that you will do that will mean just as much. Or if you don't realize it means just as much, you should mm-hmm. make it mean just as much because, um, anyways, that's, that's, yeah no i i i kind of i definitely agree i remember growing up as a kid kind of like thinking i wanted to win a oscar for best director or something but like not having any concept of what that even actually meant but like thinking you see it every year you see that's the top of the top and you think Mm -hmm. like i want to be recognized for being the top of the top but then then you start realizing like even things like the oscars it's like it's so outside of your control you need so much resources behind your like your production or your your studio to actually push for you it's it's rarely a situation where it's like off of pure talent sure it's you so know. political too yeah exactly so sometimes it's like you don't you don't even know what really will lead you so that kind of goal is like is something you see but once you get down to it, it's like it's so hard to even quantify how your dreams should match up to something that is hard to quantify. Exactly. I feel like I feel like for me, you know, since I I, I told myself, oh, that, that's my goal. It's just become this this target mm. that that I want to accomplish because I've said it, because mm. I've told people, because I've made that commitment to in my mind. But it's like it becomes this like this ego thing. It's like, oh, I said I do. I'm going to do it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's like, dude, just get over yourself. Like. Just focus. Just focus on that direction, and whether you get there or not, like I don't know, I'll be happy. I'll ha- I'll be happy. I'll be satisfied as long as you know I, I do things that 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 you know influence the world for for better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the most important thing. So yeah. So like even before the ego set in about like accomplishing your goals just for the sake of accomplishing them. Um, from the very beginning, though, what kind of hobbies or crafts did you have that steered you into wanting to go into acting? So, um, my development, um, and pathway that brought me here is, 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 how do I say this? I think it started from a very young age, but it didn't, like, it took, it evolved in so many different phases. Hmm. Um, so when I was young, I was rather chubby and I was made fun of in high school. Hmm. So I, I graduated from high school, extremely insecure, um, trying to overcompensate and, every possible way and um you know just was like a really broken kid you know i think and i'm not saying that i'm like special like, i think we all come out of high school kind of fucked up um but so with that with that unhappiness of who i was um i, I moved into i moved up to university uh-huh. and i decided that i was going to completely drop all my high school friends except for like wow. one or two because i just didn't like who I was in their mm. eyes. Whoa. And I was like, I cannot change myself if they keep on looking at me as that loser or that fat kid. No. But not um I've gotten over being angry at them, everyone in high school. Again, like they probably had their own insecurities and that's why they probably picked on me or whatever. So I get it. Like I'm not even holding grudges at this point. And mm. I actually thank them. Um but yeah, so I move into un- uh, get, get, get to university and I decide that I want to study psychology. Um mm. and a reason why I took such an interest to psychology was um and i think why everyone actually likes psychology is that you learn about yourself you learn mm-hmm. about why are you the way you are mm-hmm. and coming from my background i was like why am i why am i uh, insecure why am i um you know unhappy with myself and how can i change this 
you know so me studying psychology became this like in a sense self therapy session you know yeah. so i i used a lot of the stuff i learned from uh in school to kind mm-hmm. of start treating myself but also at that same time i was kind of re- redefining and rebranding myself as a person making brand new friends um trying to act confident and and smarter and you know just like trying to leave that persona of high school behind and for yeah. the most part it was working really well and i made cool friends that they themselves probably kind of had a similar situation i think again going back to it i think a lot of people leave high school wanting to grow up and change and be better so mm-hmm. i met pe- people with a similar energy that didn't judge me for who i used to be or, or anything and i started i went down this path of really starting to kind of uh figure my my shit out but the thing that really um kind of uh pushed me uh-huh. especially into the direction of the entertainment industry was um it was first year university so there's this uh, so UBC I went to UBC mm-hmm. there's this uh, collegiate club called CVC Chinese Varsity Club mm-hmm. oh CVC at first second there, I was thinking I was thinking of like a CDC and SFU I don't know if you're a, so they're like they're they they occasionally have uh events that, that yeah. you know and and the SFU clan and the UBC one they kind of you know they know each other and shit. So right. this the CBC <laughs> was like the the uh the the CBC kids mm-hmm. so right. like okay. the uh westernized Asian kids, you know. Yeah. Um and um they were like in my eyes like oh man these kids are so cool like I want to you know be in with them, you know. Yeah. And at the end of every year they have a fashion show. Cool. And uh mm-hmm. so they have, you know, like normal fashion like with clothes and they have like topless dudes with like in like you know, speed not speedos, but they had like boxer shorts. Yeah. So they had like a uh, underwear swimwear section. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I was in the crowd and I remember when like those jack guys walked out. <laughs> every girl in that room just went ah! like like <laughs> they were like, they were Justin Bieber or something. Yeah. I was just like what is going on? Like what is this magic that these men have over these women? <laughs> you know? Magic. So I was like I am going to be that guy. Nice. That is oh. going to be me, you know. Uh-huh. So the next year, um I didn't so the next year I auditioned for the I I I tried out for the show. I wasn't jacked yet. I was still kind of like working my way there, but mm-hmm. um I got into the show as like a normal model. So I didn't take my clothes off or anything. Um but at that point I started getting attention from girls and then my whole self perception was starting to really change. I was like, "Oh yeah. I think you're actually like attractive." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, "Whoa, like I could really like then then I started getting super cocky. Like, oh, like, so you overcorrected. Overcorrected. Like, if, <laughs> oh. if, I, if I had a time machine and I went back in the past, I'd be like, dude, you're a douchebag right now. Yeah. <laughs> but the truth is, like, it, you know, in hindsight, I needed all that to develop. And obviously, mm. I'm, like, over 10 years since then, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so that so that show, I didn't do the topless thing. But, like, the next year, I worked out like a motherfucker. And I, I can swear, right? Cause I, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. And then... um. And then I worked out like hell, and then I I I, I tried for the show, and I got into like the the, the swimsuit uh, underwear models, and I was like, yes, you know, and um, right. and did the show, and walked out there, felt like a fucking, you know, like a like a like a superhero model guy, and like all the girls like screaming, <laughs> and I remember so immediately after the show when all the models like come out from the back, so uh, <laughs> this was at like a massive club in like or big club in, in Vancouver, yeah, and so we walk out. 
And immediately a friend of a friend was like, hey, Ken, come here. I want to introduce you to this girl. I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> and they're like, oh, this, this is that guy from the show. And immediately the girl's like, oh, what's up? Immediately. And I was like, I'm running with this right now. And then so that night, me and, me and this girl like dance and stuff. And like, it was like, I immediately reaped the rewards. Like, I felt like a superstar. I felt like a celebrity that night. And I was like, oh, I'm so addicted to this feeling now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but yeah, so that was like the first instance that like, I felt that immediate reward of, of putting that energy into myself, mm -hmm. developing myself, changing myself. And although it is extremely super superficial, the experience that I had, Mind you, like being a 20-something-year-old, like that's kind of all we cared about to some degree, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I just got that immediate reward and I was like, okay, like this is, this is like the new me kind of thing. So mm. I actually ended up modeling for that show for four years in a row. And I kind of had, had that status as like the, the, the CBC fashion show guy. And I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, super <laughs> proud and whatever. <laughs> And then I ended up hosting their shows, uh, that show and another competing club show as well. Um, but yeah, uh, and okay, so during that time, um, there's this guy named Kevin Lee who mm -hmm. worked for Global BC <clears throat> at the time. Mm -hmm. And he was, mm -hmm. do, he was in the media and he wanted to, but he, he promotes Asian content and uh, Asian mm -hmm. culture and stuff like this. So he actually went to, uh, I believe it was a second year show, and he... Uh, interviewed a lot of us in the back. And so he interviewed mm -hmm. me um, for the segment on the show that he was developing. Mm -hmm. And he actually asked me, he was like, hey, um, we're actually going to be looking for a host for this show uh, sometime this summer. If you want to come audition, let me know. And yeah, let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. So way down the road, he's like, he sent me an email. He's like, hey, uh, we're holding auditions for this. Do you want to come? I was like, sure. And at this point, I haven't done any acting. Right. Just like, extremely amateur model like like mm. these these shows you don't need any really like they kind of train you but it's it's a popularity contest you just want to go <laughs> there and yeah. you, whatever you know yeah but um so he he asked me to go audition for this thing uh -huh. uh, audition for it and i i didn't really expect that again because when i was doing that thing i was super nervous and i had no training like public speaking or anything like this mm -hmm. um but i ended up getting it and um the show was on i believe it was city tv Hmm. and it was on like the worst time slot possible it was like sunday nights at 11 <laughs> um, and it was called asian lifestyles tv okay cool wow. um but i was like on tv i was like on tv before <laughs> i guess before well i guess the internet was a thing but it wasn't like what it is now like the opportunities of youtube and stuff weren't as big as as it is now yeah mm -hmm. um but yeah so i was on the show and i was, I was only hosting and they had other actors um, doing skits and stuff like this. Uh -huh. uh, so I was hosting this. And after I finished that run, I was like, you know what? So like at this point in my life, um, I was, I learned a lot of what I needed to learn as a model. Mm -hmm. I got over my insecurities. I knew mm -hmm. that I knew my worth. I knew that I was attractive without needing to advertise. I was attractive. Like I'm just becoming a grounded normal human being you know <laughs> um but i was like you know what i don't want to model because honestly it's really boring and at this point i was studying like again studying psychology and i was understanding more about human nature and i was like i want to do more with this information you know <laughs> as, as opposed <laughs> to just like looking good um so i hosted this thing and i was like okay i have some experience on a show and i want to get into acting but i don't really know where to go so i asked <laughs> a friend uh who was uh 
a girl named Carolyn Chan, who uh, is still an actor here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And um, so she kind of gave me some, uh, some advice on what to do. And um, I essentially, I wrote up a cover letter, had a really shitty headshot, and I mailed it out to like 10 of the agencies here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I got responses from two of them. One of them rejected me once she knew that I actually had a full-time job at the time. And she was like, no, I'm oh. a full-time actor. I was like, whatever. And the other one, uh, Dorothy Shermanska from Collingwood, uh, she decided to roll the dice on me, uh, nice. thank God. And uh, yeah, so then I signed my first uh, agent at that point. Uh-huh. Um, and she you know, referred me to acting class, started taking acting classes. And yeah. kind of, that was kind of, yeah, that's kind of how I, I started, you know. So, so on that, like right now, you're on one of, I would say actually the most, the, the biggest talent agency in Canada right now. You're with characters right now, right? Right. Yeah, which is amazing. They, they have a, a roster that's like none other within Canadian entertainment and everything like that. But with having that kind of agency backing you, um, you're an international, oh, sorry, you're an international actor with experiences in, again, in Chile and also in Hong Kong again, too. too. How are those experiences uh, working abroad within the within the film industries there? Because I'm sure the Chile experiences as opposed to Vancouver experiences are completely different. Mm. So uh, a lot of my experiences around the world, um, especially in the more exotic places, were for commercial shoots, which mm. I'm like, super happy and blessed uh, to have those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, in regards to my international travels and it connecting back to characters, Honestly, um, and I don't want this to kind of like bite me back in the ass, but I think a lot of the agencies here in the last few years, it took time for them to understand or even just like um, accept the fact that China has a massive influence mm. over the industry. And yeah. to actually accept it without holding resentment and, mm. and, uh, and being upset about it. Because, for example, like we're Asians. We mm-hmm. ultimately support China's film industry growing because in the end it does help us to some degree. But I think as a Caucasian person or someone that is of, you know, not Asian, mm-hmm. they, they might see it as a threat. So I think mm-hmm. a lot of the um, agents at the time um, do, didn't understand how big of a deal uh, China was becoming and how much of an opportunity is actually there. Yeah. Um, right. Mind you, it's never as clear cut as what I hoped. You know. Um, you know. I don't believe that I went to China and 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 checked every box that I I set out to check. You know. It, it has mm-hmm. definitely been marred with a lot of ups and downs. Um, but I, yeah, my my agent, the characters. Like, although, like, I love him. He's a he's a great guy. Me and him are friends. I would say. Um, but at the same time, I felt that he never truly understood a lot of the opportunities I had. And maybe that's on me for not communicating uh, enough of it clearly. And um, obviously, like, if you're an actor that's signed with the agency here and you, mm-hmm. you move, mm-hmm. you move to a different country where they don't understand their industry at all. They can't right. even speak the same language. They don't, like, even if they want to, do, to, to, to go through a contract, it's uh-huh. a huge headache. You need to translate things and they can't even talk. So you need a middle person. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's such a different world for a lot of the people here uh-huh. um, that I think it's, you know, when you're uncertain something, you're naturally just kind of not, I don't know if it's, you're afraid of it, but you're just not going to be as interested, you know? Um, so that definitely existed in my relationship with my agent. 
Um, Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't have any experience in this because uh, I'm doing stand-up comedy and like the whole agent thing is way down the road, even if, if, if it's something that is a potential option. But for you guys as, as actors, uh, agents like represent you. And since Kent, you did bring up an interesting point where it seems like maybe the Canadian industry isn't as in tune with like China's market, China's opportunities. Have you guys come across a lot of like Asian agents or like Asian execs like within the agencies? Like is here there that or over there? Here. So like in that sense is like if there's a Chi- Asian agent who like is within the agency's structure, like uh, do they do you feel like there's even a voice there? Have you come across any? So I I I believe that agencies here they actually should invest in that. They should have mm. a consultant, you know mm. what I mean? Right. Um, someone that understands the language, someone that consumes Chinese media, um, and at best has relationships with uh, you know, producers and directors and, and, and companies in China. I think that would be extremely beneficial. And so, like, essentially, they need, they need to provide the bridge, you mm-hmm. know? And if, especially only if you actually want to you know, tap into that market. But if you don't, if you don't want to, then I think that's just being ignorant or naive, you know, like yeah. it is an opportunity and, but obviously you need to invest something yeah. to, to tap into it. Uh, but that being said, so in Canada, there is an agency called Echelon. Uh, mm-hmm. Lucas, I don't know if you've heard of them. So they, know, they, so they're, they're more of a management company, but they have uh, some of the large, uh, biggest and most successful Asian talent in, I guess, uh, English-speaking Asian talent. Okay. Um, for example, uh, my friend Ludi Lin, uh, Osric, uh, Osric Chow, uh, some oh, of these yeah. bigger names. Uh, I believe Maggie Q was even with them for a period of time. This is oh, cool. like ancient history now, maybe like 10 years before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Echelon has a lot of high-profile uh, clients and mm-hmm. they try to sign exclusively Asian, Asian talent, but not necessarily for China. They were doing this for North, for North America and for Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, they... they are smart enough to also make sure that they have some kind of presence, especially for their talent in China. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I've been, I've been, I've been fortunate enough that um, there's this guy named Scott Erickson who uh, runs the Asians on Film Festival in LA, and mm-hmm. he also started his own agency called uh, Asian Cinema Entertainment. Um, mm-hmm. And so he's also a management company. And um, so the funny story with him. Um, so I, I signed with him, but I'll get there. So funny story with him was back. Many, many years ago, me and my friend Milton, we uh, shot YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And we submitted this film, um, Dim Sum Noodle, into their Asians on Film uh, film Festival. And it yeah. got in, and it actually won best, uh, best Comedy Action Short Film or something. Nice, congrats. But the funny thing is, like, me and Milton never checked our email. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't know, and the festival came and went, and we discovered this like half a year down the road. <laughs> wow. We straight up no showed. Like, I'm sure they wanted, they, they were like, hey, you guys gotta come down. Your film's in the, in the, in the, in the festival. You gotta come okay. down. We just, you know. <clears throat> and then after that, eventually we probably contacted Scott and, and, and well, Milton was, because I wasn't dealing with this kind of stuff at the time. Uh-huh. Um, and then way later down the road, before I kind of like, I, I, I guess I, like, I found their Instagram. I found um, the Instagram account for uh, Asian Cinema Entertainment. <laughs> and um, I was seeing that he was posting about uh, Asian, uh, successful Asian uh, actors and filmmakers 
in North America. Mm-hmm. So I sent him up at this point, I already shot my Pakistani film. I was like, Hey Scott, um, you know, I just shot a movie in Pakistan and you know, I just, I, I, I flew in some, I, I, I added some like things to make me, make me sound good. And I was like, yeah, it'd be great if, you know, you did a little piece on me, you know, like support, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't, he, he no showed me, he, he didn't respond <laughs> to me for like half a year. I was like, fuck this guy, you know? <laughs> and then way later, he messages like, oh, uh, sorry, I, I, I'm just extremely busy, but um, do you want to chat? And I was like, like, it's been so long. I'm like, I, I don't really understand what do you want to chat about. Mm-hmm. I was like, sure, let's, let's talk. So it turns out at this point, I didn't realize that he actually started a management company. Cool. And he was yeah. like, oh, I would be interested in working with you if you want to work with me. I was like, okay. So I... Uh, I, I I went through. I asked some friends. Like Osric Chow knows him. I was like, Osric, what do you think about him? And then everyone gave me positive responses. Uh-huh. Also, the biggest thing is like, I didn't have a manager in the states at all, so mm-hmm. I wasn't losing anything really. Um, but that being said, Scott, I love you. Thank you for your help. Um, <laughs> and but yeah, so I signed with Scott. And Scott's company or Scott's management company um, is purely Asian. So not just Chinese, like any kind of Asian, mm. Asian, Koreans, Japanese, whatever. And he has some other high profile uh, uh, people on his roster as well. But he's he's still trying to get, uh, he's trying to still make his way up, you mm. know, uh, still mm-hmm. a smaller management company. And, uh, but he's like in LA, really, really trying to push Asians a lot in, in his roster for mm-hmm. a lot of the projects that we see nowadays. So um, but yeah, long, long, long winded answer. Um, I have been fortunate enough to be able to sign with um, uh, a management company in the States that, mm. that specifically works with Asians. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, of course, you always want your managers and agents working for you because it's, it's never like a one person team. Um, but in filmmaking, of course, it's incredibly self it's a self-motivating industry. If you don't push yourself in doing so, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, you've been a writer, you've been a producer, you've also directed yourself and also acted in your own short films. Is there one aspect of filmmaking that you absolutely detest? Uh, being an AD. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, cool. I, uh, I did it once. When uh, when I was working with Milton, I ah. uh, were uh, we had a okay. So we 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 shot a Halloween video, uh, like Halloween special video. Yeah, and we thought it would be a good idea if we just invited all of our friends, oh man, through a Halloween party, and then tried to film during, and we allowed oh, people man. to drink. Oh fuck! Um, but obviously we had scenes where we need to record dialogue. <laughs> Dressed in Halloween outfits, drinking like it's a fucking party, and you know my job is to tell everyone to shut up so we can get a get a shot. And and like, in hindsight, I was an asshole. Like I, I I didn't do a good job. I was I was I was so frustrated and I let it show. And it was just like so professional, so unprofessional of me. Right. right. And I look back at it and just like, dude, you you did a horrible job. But that being said, I hated that. Like yeah. when you tell people to shut up and stuff, I was just like, I, I don't want like this isn't this isn't me, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but I'd never have any dreams of doing of being an AD. Like that came out of necessity at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge fan of like. I guess producing in general, it's it could it's it's necessary sometimes. But you know, if I had to choose between obviously directing or acting or producing, I I would prefer to do something with the creative aspect involved. 
mm-hmm. producing for me is just really work, you know. Um, and it can be it can be extremely satisfying when you find the right people and 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 you're on set and everyone's like working uh, synergistically. Yeah, like in the actual process of doing it, it's essentially just work. So I'm not in love or I'm not in love with it, but I don't hate it all too much either. I hear you, you know, man. Like everything else, um, yeah, directing I like. Um, I actually really enjoy editing. I think. Oh, yeah. Um, I I like it's the thing that I dislike about editing the most is watching all your footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a hard time with that part. So I I I I get lazy sometimes. I'm like when I'm shooting though, I'm just like I need the I need the best take. I need the best take. Uh-huh. But then when I'm editing, I'm like I don't want I don't want to look at this shit. So I'm just like <laughs> this one, uh, this one, uh, and then I just choose one. And I might not even necessarily watch them all, which is stupid. But Usually at the very end, at the very end, when I'm like going, when I've watched it so many times, like, okay, this, this performance clearly doesn't work. Then I'll mm. go back and try to find something that doesn't at least stick out so much or find one that looks better. But, um, but yeah, I enjoy a lot of the creative aspects of filming. Interesting. Like I've heard that before with a lot of actors, a lot of great actors as well. They, they do, they like doing the work and then they just cannot watch themselves. Like Adam Driver a couple months ago had a really kind of, blew up little interview saying like he does not watch any of his stuff after he does it like how do you how do you guys feel about like watching the finished product like i know you when it comes to editing it's like oh you see all the mistakes and and stuff but when it comes to the finished product like how do you feel seeing yourself up there well okay so my i've I've a very distinct uh point of view in regards to watching yourself Mm. um if you're if you're at a place in your career where you can learn from it, watch yourself. Get over yourself and watch yourself. Yeah. Um, I have this uh, one of the thing, one of the one of the one of the things that I I live by is like don't get in your own way. There are enough mm. obstacles in life that you do not need to become one of them. Mm. And a lot of actors, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of actors, they don't watch themselves because it makes them feel bad. Ooh, my, mm. I'm self-critical. I'm judgmental of myself. Mm-hmm. That is your own issue, man. Get over that. Watch it with a critical eye. Learn from it because that will help you. And then move forward. You know. So if for actors that don't like watching themselves because it, it feels gross, man, just, just get over yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just learn. No. Just learn. Like just, just yeah. You don't need more obstacles. You like life as an actor is hard enough. Don't, exactly. don't need to add, mm-hmm. add more. So. Especially starting out, yeah. Yeah. To Ken's point, though, too, um, now that everything will be self-tapes and everything like that, and all acting classes are over Zoom, mm-hmm. by default, if you have a Zoom session going on and you're acting in an acting class, you will be seeing yourself, maybe just in the periphery or from below yeah. you. But you just have to get over the fact that you just can't be in your head too much about this stuff. It's out mm-hmm. there. You, as a performer, need to perform, and just you just got to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. I think I think something that I've run into, um, the more I like, even with self tapes, especially when you don't have an actor in the mm-hmm. room, you have someone on a on a on a, on a laptop or a phone voicing it. Mm-hmm. It's really harder. It's much harder to get connected, and I'm yeah. I'm sure you've experienced this. Um, but you start self, you start editing or directing while you're while you're acting, which yeah. really fucks you up. Exactly. Um, and and that's so that 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 is that is this obstacle that we've all are encountering more. But mm-hmm. but by overcoming that, that's actually going to help us 
when we actually have an actor to, to work with. Yeah. I've noticed so that, especially when I'm filming and I'm also acting in it, it's really hard to just act because I'm like, oh, wait, uh, should I be doing this? Or like, I do, I'm just like editing myself as I'm performing, which is horrible. I or like I, or, I'm, or I'm performing and I know I said one line that's wrong or a way that I don't want it. And then I just immediately in my brain, I'm like, can't just stop because you're not going to use this anyway. But yeah. obviously that's like one of the cardinal sins as a performer that you can't, you can't do that, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah, this definitely definitely takes practice. No, for sure, man. Um, okay, let's let's go with let's go with this one. You briefly touched upon it at the very beginning of this of this whole session here, but mm -hmm. man, okay, with that, what keeps you continue working out? Do you think all performers and all actors should also play not only into the mind but also into the body? And has working out benefited you as an actor? hundred uh, percent. Um, I okay. I honestly have a bit of a sick um, disdain for fat. Like whether it's on myself or even like other people's. Like if it's on other people, like obviously I'm I'm accepting, you know. But I I I just I I don't know. I like for myself anyway. I when I get a little bit fat, I get really really unhappy with myself <laughs> like for example uh and i'm not saying that this is healthy like but i think the people that do stay in shape year round and i'm not yeah. even i'm not even the king of this like by no means am i you know i just i just like feeling and looking a certain way but there are people that are you know way better at this um but the people that do maintain that level of shape year round i think they i, I want to say the word use the word broken but they have something in their head that they cannot stand if they let it go that other way. Mm. You know? um, and I definitely have some of that for sure. So mm. yeah, like even today I was thinking about this because like, um, so right now I'm starting to every morning, well, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm meeting up with a friend to learn Kung Fu. Okay. Get up in the morning, meet him at the park, <clears throat> do Kung Fu for an hour, hour and a half. Um, so I, I, I fast, which is you know, very common nowadays. Yeah. And um, I do the, I did the kung fu thing. After that, me and him we do we do some Mandarin. But even though I did the kung fu thing and chances exercise, I need my workout because like if I don't if I don't do some kind of weight training or body weight training, I know that I've I've already lost a lot of, a lot of muscle mass as a result of the no gym thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I'm just like petrified of like losing more. So even though I'm like right. tired or I have other things I want to do, I'm like, Ken, you got to work out today. So today, Kung Fu, Mandarin, got home, and then I worked out another hour, ran another few K. And I was like, dude, man, like, are you going to do this every single day that you have Kung Fu? Because essentially, you're spending over, over two plus hours, you know, doing both. And mm -hmm. like, although I love the rewards of it, it's very impractical in the sense of, like, I know it's, it sounds so, not petty, but it's, it's, it takes a lot of time. Like, okay, okay yeah, yeah. imagine this as your day, right? Imagine like every day you also want to shoot a video. Whether it's TikTok, whether it's like some acting thing, <laughs> this gonna sound super petty, but like imagine okay, you work out in the morning, and you got a shower midday, <laughs> and then you do your hair, right? Or you know you get ready for it, and then right. you you shoot your thing in the afternoon or nighttime, but <laughs> then you gotta take another shower because you did put your shit in your hair. I'm like, am I gonna take two showers every day now? You know because <laughs> because I want to live this lifestyle. You know, right, right. like. 
you know, in, in the short term, like once or a couple, t- couple times a day, uh, a week or like whatever, but like you do this every day, you're just like, man, I'm spending so much time just like taking showers even, you know, <laughs> getting dressed, like getting dressed, getting into workout mode, into shooting mode. And, right. uh, and I'm, so I'm still trying to come like plan my day. So it's more streamlined. Oh, okay. I, 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 I remove some of this inefficient time in between, you know, mm-hmm. um, Hmm. So, so do you do you find that that's kind of more career driven? You want to always maintain your, you know, your performing at your peak condition, where it's like, you know, what I got to be ready in case the opportunity is there. I got to make sure I'm doing the work, putting in the work every day as as like part of the routine. Or do you feel like it's it is more like an internal driven type of a, emotional thing? It's like maybe it's it's something where like you you mentioned like you were coming out of high school, you were, I guess, a little chubby. And, and like, that was a period of time that you wanted to completely disassociate with. So like, now it's kind of like a thing where it's like, maybe if it's a little bit of like fat, it's like, oh, no, like, am I gonna go to back to that period of time where it's like, I don't want to be that person anymore. So you, you push yourself? Do you think there's I like, I think I've definitely developed and grown enough as a person that I'm not afraid that I'll ever become that person. Okay, because it's been so long. And 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 you know over the last especially the last few years traveling so much going vacation with my girlfriend yeah uh, being back here without a gym Mm -hmm. i've proven to myself that i will find a way to exercise you know and and i know that's a fact you know um i think it's honestly a a lot of vanity man you know like i i like having abs all the time i just want (laughs) to like even though it's completely dumb and unrealistic like i just want to be prepared to take my shirt off in any situation and look yeah. okay, look solid, you know, um, doesn't, doesn't always happen. Sometimes it does. Right. Because you, you, you put yourself out there as that guy, right? Yeah. Some of my friends are like, Oh yeah, I can some shape, blah, blah. <laughs> and then you don't know if some night you're out drinking with your buddies and there's some girl, whatever, they're just like, can't show her your abs. Really touch this guy's abs. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you just got to be like, I'm ready. Been waiting yeah. two weeks for this one. You know? And yeah. like, I guess this is where like, now that I say this, I sound insane. Like, who does it? You know what I mean? Who, who is thinking like every single day, oh, is that person going to ask me to take my shirt off? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, hey, I think everybody, I think everybody, once they've gotten a taste, like, oh, I, I completely agree with you. Like, I'm uh-huh. in the middling right now. I got a little chub in there. But then, like, when, if I do abs for a little bit and I start to see a little definition, I'm suddenly I'm like, oh, I'm the shit or whatever. But it's like, <laughs> But it's like, hey, I feel like even though like it's not great to say it's like, oh, vanity, I'm, I'm very vain. But no, nah, if you have a taste of it, it's like you feel it, you like it. It's like it's so much harder to get back to it if you do let it go. Totally. totally. Yeah. So once I totally get it. it. Yeah. You do not want to let it go. Yeah. And, and that's why when the gyms shut down, like I was afraid and anxious and just frustrated. Like, even like today, doing my workout, yeah. I'm just like. I am so sick of push-ups right now. Like, swear to God, one more push-up, yeah. I'm gonna fucking punch the wall, you know. Yeah. Um, but like, it's 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 when you have this thing, it just makes you happy. And like, I I fully admit that I'm vain. And mm. the reason why I don't mind saying that is because what I do and how I appreciate myself, how the like what how does that affect anybody else? You know, I'm not going mm. to the gym and by going to the gym hurting anyone else. I'm not staying lean and somehow insulting someone else at the same time, you know? Um, so I, I make sure that like, I think being vain or being self-absorbed in that aspect of yourself is hundred percent positive, you know, 
it's it's the people that are vain but also insecure at the same time that mm. need the validation all the time that right, right. that that like i'm so in, absorbed with myself and it's not even just like my attention on myself i need other people's attention right? i need to i need to belittle other people so that i feel like i'm on top mm. then that vanity has gone the wrong way you know so i mm. think um insecurities right what you do as a result of that insecurity uh-huh. is what defines you as that person. You know, whether you're insecure about that isn't a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're vain isn't a problem. But it's like, what do you do because you're vain, right? Do you mm-hmm. ignore your friends that are also attractive just because you, you know, you want that intention, whatever, you know? Um, I make sure that even though I know that I'm, I'm, I'm vain, I, I compliment my friends. I, I boost up other people according to their appearance as well because I don't need... I'm not insecure in that way, or or if I am insecure, I deal with it myself, and I don't, you know, make it a negative thing to the outside world. Right. Okay. Um, almost to wrap it up here. Um, let's go with these last two. These next two will just be like take however much time you want with these questions and everything like that. I pretty much um, happened, but thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so first off, like, what has this quarantine taught you about yourself? Okay, um, so just the other day I posted an Instagram and back in China for like the last year, I realized that I think I live day to day with a lot of anxiety mm. Mm. Um, and in a way that, in a way that obviously I wasn't very happy about it, but also, I also, it was, so I realized I had this like skewed acceptance of anxiety in my life. Mm-hmm. Where if I was anxious about all the things I had to do, and then I did them, I felt productive because I was so anxious about it before. And then I also would use the anxiety as a means to motivate myself. Mm-hmm. And so this this quarantine period, um, I've kind of purposely relaxed a little. But as a result of that, I've still gotten things done. And when I get things done, sometimes without that anxiety, I don't necessarily feel like I've been productive. And then when I don't feel productive, I then start judging or start analyzing myself for, should you be doing more? Mm-hmm. And then when, mm-hmm. I, when I start asking that question, then I feel the anxiety and then I'm like, oh, I should do more things. So I would, but then I actually think of the things that I have been doing and I'm like, you've still done a good amount. You know what I mean? Like, like okay. if I added anxiety, but did 10% more, uh-huh. is it worth it? Right, right. I'm happy now. I, 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 I operate at 9% capacity, let's say. Yeah. But I'm happy. I'm, for the most part, not that anxious. My anxiety level is at like a 40. But like, let's say I ramp that up to like 70 and I like make a list of like, I go full on The Rock or Mark, Mark Wahlberg, wake up at fucking 5 a.m. Or tell myself I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah. And do all this crazy shit and like segment my day down every half an hour. Like, I'll be so full of anxiety. Maybe I'll get more done, but like, would I burn out then? True. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the whole flow state argument, you know, I all, I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I've been really experimenting with um, whether I can still be disciplined to a degree without necessarily needing to drill myself to be that way. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. um, I haven't really figured out the answer because sometimes I still feel like I'm not productive enough. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, think, I, I think this time, like this, this quarantine. Yeah. A pandemic time it's it's really kind of not and not just for me i'm sure it's messed up with a lot of people it's just like you you don't know you don't know where to put things 
we're we're to uh, put things to be important. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like yeah. my previous goals, do they still apply right now? Mm-hmm. Or should I like should I really really spend this time to spend more time with my family? Yeah. And when yeah. I'm with my family, should I not feel guilty that I'm not doing work? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I've been like, you know, but then I spend time with them and like I'm chill, having fun, you know, watching movies with my parents or whatever. But then that voice, you know, that voice at the back, and you know, right before I see like, Kent, you didn't do this, you didn't study Chinese, blah, blah, blah. Just like, oh, like, what, what is it? Like, do I do that? But then if I do do that, I'm not going to be as pleasant with, with my family. Right, right. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be as present with my family. You know, so I'm like, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out, like, what what am I supposed to be doing right now? Yeah, <laughs> cool. Awesome. Oh man, I don't know. How about you guys? Maybe like, I, I, what, what, like with with this with this specific topic, like, how are you guys attacking this? Um, I'm trying to distract myself a lot more, and mm. I, I don't, I don't think it's an unhealthy distraction, but I think it's just I, I need to maintain some semblance of of normality. Otherwise, if I just stay in and watch Netflix all the time. If anything, my whole mental state will be down and out. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, uh, many many people have heard this on previous episodes, but like, I am working at a grocery store right now, so that's five days out of the week. I'm I'm out of the place, so that at least helps me see other people outside of me and my partner who we live together with. Okay. Yeah for for me, idea. yeah for me it's um, since comedy is like doing live comedy is like the only way really you can test and develop material. Um, other than that, it's like keeping, yeah, keeping busy doing other types of things like this podcast. I have a, I created a second podcast as well. Um, and like when it comes to, I guess on the creative side, I've considered like, um, considering writing more, like writing more in terms Mm -hmm. of, um, potential spec script ideas I have in the future. Uh, like, like you, for you, like working out and preparing yourself, like in the future, when you get the opportunity as a comedian, and you suddenly get maybe just for laughs and like an agent is like, oh, maybe we want to work with you or like a network or a studio. It's like at that moment, you have to be ready. You have to have a couple ideas for TV yeah. shows there that you could show right away so that you can capture that opportunity because like things come and go, like you're in the spotlight for a second. And then if you don't capitalize on it, you know, it's gone. There's your, there's your shots. That's yeah. pretty much how it is sometimes. So like I'm mm-hmm. looking more into like reading more, writing more, uh, getting into that element on the creative side um and yeah like the the more i think about it the more i i'm like realizing the type of especially for roles for like asian um actors is like you can always kind of hope there's a role out there for you but in the end like it comes down to other asian creators creating the roles because like who's gonna go out of their way really to write roles for us if it's not other asian creators so i've been wrapping my head around that a bit more and um yeah but i guess like on on that kind of similar topic like this for you like you know working out you do have this you know um image asian superman that kind of thing um (laughs) yeah i mean i guess it's there with the kent clark kent that's the there it is that makes sense um if i if i might add yeah the, the other day so okay when I meet people and I'm like, hi, I'm Kent. They're like, what? I was like, Kent, like Superman's last name. Like Kent, you know? <laughs> so the funny thing is the other week I met another Kent and he was Ooh. 10, 15 years older than me. And he had like a kid that was like 20 and stuff. And when I met him, he did the exact same joke. He was like, yeah, like Superman's. And I was like, 
has that joke been going around so long that I've like adopted oh, it? Because like I'm I'm a I'm a younger generation. Yeah. And I was like, huh, that's what I sound like, huh? <laughs> I mean, it's there. It's like sometimes, hey, comedians as well. It's like you go for the immediate connection that the most people will get. So that's always yeah. like icebreaker role. But yeah. um, like I I, do, I did notice you do did have some pretty interesting roles as like romantic leads in some films as well, uh, especially the one you did like uh, in Pakistan. That was like one that really kind of surprised me a bit because it was a Pakistani film. And then yet they did choose someone of like Asian descent as their romantic lead, sorry, opposite the, the lead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's that's something where it's like in, you know, this whole thing about Asian masculinity in, in the Western view, you know, you, you need to do a lot to put yourself out there trying to change that viewpoint, that mentality. I am interested to ask you, like, what was your experience like in that specific setting where it's like, oh, you're in a Pakistani you know, media and the Pakistani culture, and then suddenly you're you're put in there as the romantic interest. I really want to pick your brain on that. So, first off, Pakistan loves China. Yeah. Um, and it's not like it's not like I'm a romantic lead in a film in North America where everyone's predominantly Caucasian. Mm. Um, I think even for them, it was. It was it was new and interesting on so many levels that that wasn't even the one thing that was sticking out. Hmm. You know, like really? the fact that they had so okay. I was I am the first Chinese actor ever in Pakistani film industry history, let alone oh, a shit. lead actor. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, which is something that you know I really really wish that my parents would just be like, Kent, you could like <laughs> you validated your existence as, as an actor just with that. There you my go. parents don't see it that way. I tell myself I see it. I do honestly I'm super proud of myself. hundred percent. Yeah. I'm super proud yeah. of myself that I have that title. I'm like, dude, you made history, man. Cool. <laughs> um but being like the romantic lead, um you know, so okay, first off the film so Pakistani films do not have much uh uh overly sexual content. Mm, they right. can play Hollywood films with sexual content, but do they do not make their own movies with sexual content? Mm-hmm. So uh, when I got the, the 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 role, I asked them, "I'm like, what do I? What should I expect in regards to my relationship with the other actress or the other character? Like, um, do I? Is there a kissing scene? Mm. Um, do I need to take my shirt off? So I need I need to prepare. Yeah. Um, and they're like, uh, no. So at the most, you might hug her. Oh, I was like, oh, I think I can handle that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, you know, you will not be topless. I was like, okay, good to know. Um, so with that being said, even though I'm the romantic lead, and obviously, you know, in, this, in the movie, we're falling in love and all this kind of stuff, there isn't that many overtly gushy romantic scenes, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. And, um, and even my character, even though I am the romantic lead, I actually kind of won her over by being not so overly aggressive mm-hmm. right and and for example so my character is muslim because that was one part of yeah the film that they realized that the audience wouldn't accept mm-hmm. like being asian fine but that guy better be muslim at least yeah. you know uh, religiously so I, I was muslim and i think part of my character being muslim was that i was very uh unaggressive so even mm-hmm. though at one point I was being picked on, my character never really fights back, you know? And uh, I think that's 
you know, that's one of the reasons why she actually kind of falls for her because falls for him because he's actually kind of not not like a typical macho dude. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know if I've answered your question, but I, and I've also uh, so before that I played the romantic lead in John Applejack, right, with a white guy, um, and I am I feel extremely blessed. Any time that I can play a romantic role, mm-hmm. because essentially the viewers that watch romance movies, they imagine being one of the two people. Right? Yeah. The guys, I'm the guy, or girl, I'm the girl. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Bojack, you know, if you're Asian, you're probably thinking me. If you're a white guy, you're probably thinking him. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm. It's a blessing that people would even want to use me as that person mm-hmm. to know yeah. that the audience wants to associate and and step into my shoes. You know. Right. Awesome. Um, That's I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah. No. I. I mean, like, in terms of just my um, kind of naivete and like not knowing exactly how the Pakistani, um, you know, viewing public would view having an Asian character in there. Like, you definitely explained that uh, really well. And I think it's it's very important. Like, like you mentioned, you're the first Asian actor in the entire Pakistani film industry. Just the fact that you're in that setting and you put yourself or you're presented in the sense as a romantically, an entire generation of Pakistani, like women and, and men now see that as yes. something that's yeah. part of, part of like, this is normal. This is, you know, he's a, he's just a regular Muslim guy. And is like, you know what? We we accept it. It's like we mm-hmm. we see it. We 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 acknowledge that it's there. And like people, I think it's if anything, just the more the fact that we're more out there is yeah. is already enough to get a foot in the door and change some perspectives. So For that's sure. yeah, that was definitely really really a cool cool experience. I imagine that's a cool oh, thing to see for me to 100%, see. Hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, that's um, great. Yeah, uh, I, I I hope that I do. And, and and have influenced, you know, the perception of uh, or uh, what, yeah, like the, these audience members to thinking that oh, Asian guys, Chinese yeah. guys, can be sexy, cool, be leading oh, men, yeah. you know what I mean. So, um, you know, one one country at a time. Yeah, there we go. Do, doing doing God's work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The yeah, Kent yeah. World Tour right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, you good with some uh, word associations right now? Sure. All right. All right. Josh, you want to go first on this one? Sure, sure. I'll go first. I always uh, I try to stick with the, the same 10 just to see how people react to it. Okay. So, so phrase or a word. Phrase or a word. Anything I, that pops in my head, essentially. Yeah, anything that pops in your head. Ideally, probably just like the immediate word. But if it is a two-worder, two then, hey, throw it out there. So clear your head. Clear all that stuff mm-hmm. we talked about. And we'll just start off with family love pineapple express nice nice (laughs) rain vancouver alone Uh, right now i kind of feel i don't know yeah right now (laughs) Uh, motivation uh coming and going Kumquat. That's a fruit, right? 
It is. Yeah, okay. there you go. <laughs> that's my first thought. That's a fruit, right? I love it. Always confuses people a little bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, mountain. Seymour. Uh, Tight Mount rope. <laughs> oh, I watched The Walk the other day. With, oh. uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. Yes. Good movie. Oh. Right. Satisfied. Eating food. Cheat days. It's those cheat, those cheat days. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and ending. Ending. God, I want to say something extremely dirty. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, do it. That's the sound. Oh, the sound. So automatically. Yeah. Okay, there yeah. you go. <laughs> nice, nice. Nice. All right. You feeling loose again still? Oh, nope. kind of. It's a little bit. <laughs> awesome. Right, there you go. Let's do it. Cool, cool. First word. Beijing. Home. Oh. Film. Career. Switch. TV show I did. Space time. Space time. Space force, which so far isn't a great TV show. I've watched <laughs> the first episode and I was like, <laughs> it's got Jimmy O. Yang, Asian yeah. comedian. There oh, it is. is, is Did he call in second episode? Maybe I haven't got into him. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I don't think he. Oh he, he no, he's one of the scientists. Yet. He's one yeah. of the scientists. Yeah, he had. Okay, I had a he had a brief scene so far. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Superman. Myself. <laughs> Come on, you you primed me for that. Yeah, one. that was really sad. That was. You, you primed me, Chris Hatfield. Chris Hatfield. Nice. Got it. Yeah. Okay, astronaut Hatfield. Chris Hatfield. Yeah. Uh, Fathers. Father's Day. Strive. My life. <laughs> Chile. Chile. Uh, commercial. And Kent. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's your new that's your new uh catchphrase whenever someone says hey it's kent it's like hey kent that's me that's me yeah that's superman yeah, that's me. <laughs> all right cool well awesome. thank you so much for yeah for being on the podcast yeah thank you guys for having me thank you guys for listening to me talk about my life and, awesome. um, best of luck to you guys with the podcast yeah thank you. you thank you thank you great time where can uh people find you and what are your handles um majority of the time it's just at kent s the young um honestly i'm very googleable so yeah you are you Ooh, really are oh you google just google <laughs> <laughs> uh josh cool uh across facebook twitter instagram uh at josh yang comedy um yeah look me up there awesome and you can find me at lucas john ing on instagram and on facebook and please Follow us on Instagram, also HWMIY Podcast, and also find us on YouTube. And please subscribe to us because we do need that special URL once we get Ooh, 100 yes. subscribers, right? Yeah, 100 subscribers. The big time, the big league. We made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 100 yeah. subscribers, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, please subscribe. We need it. Awesome. Beautiful yeah. for Kent again. Thank you so much, hey. brother. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Great. All right. We'll see you see next you
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.